0: Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast, Film Jerks, is truly one of the most spoiler-filled film podcasts ever recorded. It contains ridiculous opinions, which under no
1: circumstances should be listened to by anyone that has a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset by film spoilers. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person, or parent of a young and impressionable child now listening, that you skip to the end of the podcast for our ratings
0: and live your lives free of disagreeing with overtly opinionated people. You'll live longer. Film Jerks is a group where we, as a community, pick a film to watch, then discuss like little old ladies in a book club. Only our films have decapitations and nude slumber party pillow fights. If you wish to become part of the conversation and become a film jerk, go to the Facebook group and join. Film jerks can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio.
2: And welcome to... Film Jerks, the podcast where our panel of movie enthusiasts look at a movie like Little Old Ladies in a Book Club. Only our discussions involve shower stabbings and oiled pedophiles. As always, I have my lovely and wonderful co-host, the Lipstick Jerk, Angelique.
3: Hello. Uh,
2: how have you been?
3: Um, it's been a bit of a crazy week at work, but uh, the weekend is upon us, and uh, I'm going to go hang out with my mom and watch scary movies.
2: Joining our panel uh, this episode is also Scott. Scott, how are you today? I'm, I'm a happy camper. Also joining our panel is Cole.
4: How is Cole? I am fantastic, Paul. Thank you uh, for the invite. I'm coming oh. in a bit last minute, but I'm so glad to be here talking about this movie that uh, had an impact on me as a young kid. Glad to be oh. here, man.
2: Oh, I'm glad you're here. It's great to have you. Uh, We also have a very special guest on our panel this week. Uh, It's, of course, Jeff Hayes. Jeff, how are you? Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Fantastically. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you for the people that might not know your voice or uh, what you do. Okay. Well, I run the official
1: Sleepaway Camp website, sleepawaycampmovies.com. About almost 20 years ago now, I tracked down a bunch of the original players from the first sleepaway camp to try to get everybody back together to see if they wanted to do a sequel and it actually ended up working out and a whole bunch of great things have happened since then and uh i'm excited to be here and uh ready
4: to camp with you guys i am
3: totally starstruck right now oh my god
4: (laughs) (laughs) Badass. so nice to meet you jeff (laughs) You guys, too. (laughs) And uh, as Jeff revealed,
2: this episode is all about Sleepaway Camp. Dear
3: Mom and Dad, I've been at Sleepaway Camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared.
0: Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Someone is watching you someone is waiting for you Help! 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 someone wants to scare you to death ah! 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 turn it turn the wheel oh my god sleep away camp you won't be coming home
1: a bunch of kids go to camp and all these crazy accidents start happening and people start turning up dead, but the camp owner, he doesn't want to believe that people being murdered because, you know, that would be bad publicity. So he, he tells everybody that, you know, these are all crazy accidents. But meanwhile, there's a killer lurking in the mists. and um, come the end of the movie, you find out who that killer is. It may or may not, be who or what you're expecting. Great summary. Thank
2: you. Also, I want to let everybody know we have a special kind of game that we're calling Jerkaway Camp. <laughs> and what Jerkaway Camp is, is prior to the podcast, we asked everybody to give us some numbers and those numbers are going to correspond to how their virtual camper dies and we'll reveal how their virtual camper dies at the end of this episode, of course. I should probably ask you how you guys first were introduced To sleepaway camp Uh, angelique how were you introduced to the film and how, how did it affect you
3: well um i lived in johnson city tennessee and there was this creepy little video store called video trading company and it had this weird little room that had all these um clamshell vhs you know the good horror ones and um sleepaway camp happened to be one of them that i bought for like two bucks and took it home and i was like what kind of weirdo crap is this yes (laughs) you know (laughs) so i fell in love
2: (laughs) how about you scott uh how were what how were you first introduced to this film
5: i uh almost a little ashamed to say that i saw the uh parts two and three i I went in reverse order i saw three first then two (laughs) (laughs) when i was a kid and i for some reason never saw the first one and i never made any connection between those about returning characters okay Mm
6: -hmm.
5: but uh then as i it wasn't really until i was getting older i'd say like uh in my early 20s uh it was just post-college in fact I was getting into like all these horror films I'd missed out on. I really started to take a huge, almost obsessive interest in the genre. And this friend of mine, Kevin Wetzler, I'll name drop him here. He's also the person who came up with the name of my show, Moviocrity, said, oh, you've got to see this movie Sleepaway Camp. He's Now, Kevin's not even a huge, huge, huge horror fan. He likes it okay, but he's not a huge fan. I'm like, really? You're recommending a slasher to me? And, and he told me yeah you got to see this and he told me the very reasons i should see it and i uh like like some of the interesting reasons i should see it but yeah i watched this and i loved it right away you knew you know that this was something different i mean it's it's another slasher film yes there's like about a million of them at that time it's another summer camp really but as soon as this movie begins you get this feeling like wait no this is different there's something else to this movie. And so that's when I really started to appreciate it. Like immediately I became this huge fan of uh sleepaway
2: camp. And how about you, Jeff? How are you first introduced to sleepaway camp? Um, I actually, uh, it was on HBO one night,
1: probably around 1986 or so. And uh, it was on really late one night, like two or three o'clock in the morning. So I set the timer on the good old VCR and uh, recorded it and, watched it the next day and uh my life has just not been the same since how about you Cole?
4: <laughs> well my my uh story is uh similar to angelique's i there was a little video store in the town where i grew up evansville wisconsin called party port and in those days if you rented a vhs it was like these big as angelique said these big plastic snap cases and behind it would be the actual movie So you just kind of, you know, look behind the snap case and if the tape was there, you would take it up to the counter and rent it. Just how archaic that seems now, you know, to think that that's the way it was. But that's the way it was. And um, for the longest time, uh, this also kind of ties into what Scott was saying. They had two and three and not the first one. The gentleman who worked there, these were in the days where you could smoke indoors everywhere, including hospitals. He just chain-smoked these big, fat pipes full of uh, tobacco, and you would walk in there, and it was just so cloudy. But because I knew him so well, because I'd grown up in the town or around the town, I was able to go up to him and say, hey, Gordy, can you get Gordie. Sleepaway Camp 1? You know, I'd, I'd like to, to check it out. And um, he, he got it in, and I took it home, and, I'll tell you, man, by the end of the first 10 or 15 minutes, somewhere around there, I'd forgotten I was even watching, you know, a movie that was connected to those other two sequels I'd seen. I, you know, they were okay, but I just, it's a really significant camp slasher film. It's beautifully filmed. It's well acted. The effects are gross and they work. Uh, The score is fantastic. Uh, the ending is downright bone chilling, at least it was to me, you know, as a kid seeing it as a kid had been picked on, um, didn't have the best relationship with his family, like, by the end of the film, I was like, holy shit, that's some creepy stuff, you know, I, um, that that's my experience with it. VHS in the middle of the night by myself sneaking my dad's Coors lights out of the fridge and just watching this thing and, and being fairly horrified of all the, the camp slasher flicks I saw that era, like prom night. And, you know, I mean, I would even place this above something like Friday the 13th, two or three. This is a significant slasher movie. It has vision and it's nostalgic as hell. I mean, does anybody even go to summer camp anymore? I, 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 I don't know. Um, they still have them. They they still have. They somebody. do right yeah. on. They I didn't do. know that, I didn't know there was that much forest left. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I, I really I love this film, and uh, I yeah have nothing but good things to say about it. Honestly.
2: At camp, we uh, meet an assortment of characters like Artie, the head chef, his assistant Ben, and the uh, the camp owner Mel. Uh, we also meet a bunch of kids played surprisingly by young people, including Judy, Paul, Meg, uh, Ronnie, Billy, Kenny, and a kid that they nicknamed Mozart. So I have a question for the panel, and what we'll do is we'll go around the table, and uh, my question is, what type of camper were you when you were a kid? Were you the mean girl camper? Were you the jock camper? Were you um, Captain Short Pants? Or were you the nerdy kid, so... Let's start with Cole. Cole.
4: Wow, man. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I associate with this movie for strong reasons. I had a rough time, you know, playing Cub Scouts at camp, just around other kids in general. In fact, I remember when I uh, tried to try out for the football team, they all formed a circle around me in the shower room and kicked my ass. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, they took turns punching me in the face. So I was never, you know, I would say, unfortunately uh is uh, I'm, the, I'm the lead character probably even though you know I'm certainly <laughs> not not a cross cross dressing murderer um but that i I would probably relate to her the best just because i can, I can see how you would be driven insane by the social structure of The 80s, the mid 80s, which I grew up in, you know, I was her age probably when this movie came out. So, yeah, sorry, sorry.
2: (laughs) No, no, that's that's why we ask these type of questions. How about you, Jeff? What type of camper were you when you were a kid? I would have to go with um,
1: the Joker. So probably, yeah, I would have to probably go with Ricky because Ricky was kind of the Joker among the group. I'm always kind of like trying to play jokes on people and stuff. So I think that would have, that would have been me as a kid at camp.
2: (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, And you, Scott, what, what type of uh, camper were you as a kid?
5: I was, uh, well, I was not, I never went to summer camp, but just judging from like what I did, like when I went through uh, when I was a young kid and stuff like that, You know, I had, you know, moments where I'd kind of come out of my shell and everything like that. But uh, until I was probably in like in my mid-teens, I was, believe it or not, to anybody who's ever heard me, me on a podcast, I was extremely shy. And especially around people that I was not comfortable or familiar with, I maybe said like maybe 12 words all day. So Angela probably and maybe a little bit of Mozart since he was a four eyed little geek, too, so
2: <laughs> nice, nice.
5: So, so Angela, with a touch of Mozart
2: <laughs> and, and you, Angelique?
3: um, I was totally Mozart.
2: oh, interesting, interesting,
3: yeah, I just wanted to read, and y'all leave me alone, but no, never happened.
2: <laughs> wow. Uh, I think for me, the Paul character it, it was kind of this this guy that wanted to be, you know, a likable guy, but, you know, I I was easily swayed into doing things that I probably shouldn't have done. So I think that would be me, Paul and, and Paul. So.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, Jeff, I think, uh, were you in the documentary on the Blu-ray? Yes, that's where I saw you. Okay, that's what I meant.
6: <laughs> okay,
1: yep, yeah. yep. I was actually on the documentary for all, all of them. One, yeah. Two, three, oh, really? Three. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. He's yeah, because yeah, as soon as he said like, oh yeah, and I got the people together, I'm like, oh that, oh yeah, okay. I knew, he's I knew, so cool. I know. Well, I knew you were one of the two, and
2: so why don't we actually take a little bit of time now and. Discuss Jeff's experiences with the film. I think it'd be interesting if if we had some questions for him. So,
4: well, I was uh, just going to ask if if you feel like the people who are involved are are proud of it
2: of uh, just the first one or
4: yes, the first one, absolutely, yeah.
1: Oh, definitely, um,
4: awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the writer director Robert Hiltzik, he comes to some of the conventions. If I if I can convince him to go, he'll go, and he'll always expect it. Maybe like. Four or five people will show up to see or to talk to him about Sleepaway Camp and hundreds of people will show up and tell them about how much they love the movie and the parts that they liked and the characters. And, and you know, you know, you can tell by watching him that, you know, he's really proud of what he created and um, the legacy that lives on because of it. And the actors and actresses, I'm very good friends with Felissa Rose. She she loves Sleepaway Camp. She lives for Sleepaway Camp. Jonathan Tiersten, who plays Ricky as well, he uh, he's happy to be part of it. Um, I'm good friends with Paul D'Angelo, who plays Ronnie. Uh, wow! He, uh, yeah, Ronnie, he's a fantastic guy, and uh, you know he loves being invited to the the events and uh, you know meeting all the fans. So yeah, I mean everybody who I've been in touch with, they're all really happy to have been you know part of this cult classic.
5: I, I had a question about Felicia Rose. I'm a big fan of hers. I follow her on Facebook and everything. And naturally, she did this movie, and she had, did had a few like TV credits and such. But she didn't really return to on screen acting in full force for another twenty years. I think that, uh, in my experience anyway, was uh, I was editing a website called Horror Express in the early two thousands, and I, we got this you know, contacted by the filmmaker Dante Tomaselli, who had just uh, done his second film, Horror. He says, oh, and you're going to love it. Phyllis Rose is in it. I'm like, what? <laughs> and mm-hmm. so we, and at the same time, we basically got copies of Horror and Corpses Are Forever, both of which feature her. She's been all over the place in the last, you know, dozen or so years in, on screen. What was the cause for the 20-year gap and then, what caused her to just really go full tilt boogie and return to you know uh, on screen acting at, at, in such a huge, huge way?
1: Yeah, she um she actually ended up going to school um, shortly, a-, a few years after Sleepaway Camp was made, and that kind of took her out of the whole movie business for a little while. She was actually asked to return in Sleepaway Camp 2 to play Angela again by the uh, producer of the film, Jerry Silva. But at the time, she had just gotten a special scholarship and she wasn't going to be able to go down and spend, you know, like four months in Georgia working on the movies and be able to get the scholarship at the same time. So she ended up going to school. And um, then after school, you know, she eventually decided, I guess, that she wanted to get back to acting. And she ended out doing some like off-Broadway type shows. And she was doing that for a while. And then she met me and I <laughs> brought Sleepaway Camp back into her life. And uh, then she kind of like was like, oh, I need to, you know, relook at this whole horror thing. And, you know, suddenly, you know, all these websites were wanting to interview her. And she was, you know, getting asked to, if she you know wanted to be in any more movies anymore and and so yeah she um she eventually just started getting into horror movies and started doing them one after another and and now she's she's got a huge list of horror movies that she's done and i'm happy to say that i just finished making a movie that's coming out later this year called ghoulish and felissa plays she's one of the leads she plays a psychiatrist in it and, and she is just absolutely fantastic
2: nice Angelique, do you have any questions for Jeff?
3: Did they ever reveal the secret as to how those shorts stayed where they stayed?
1: <laughs> um, I think they, they credit that to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm just like, if he breathes, it's just going <laughs> to... <laughs> Kablam! <laughs>
2: I loved his character, though. He was probably one of the nicest people in that entire camp.
3: He was totally my favorite.
2: Yes. That, camp,
5: that camp needed some more nice people, let me tell
3: you.
5: <laughs> yeah. So I liked his right? character, too.
1: <laughs> pa- Paul D'Angelo, who plays Ronnie, I have yep. to tell you, he is Ronnie. He, You know, when you meet him and you talk to him, he's he's just like that. He's that same nice guy that you met at sleepaway camp. And, oh, my God. Yeah. Aww. Great.
2: Great so
3: we'll tell him I say hi and he's awesome. <laughs> I
1: will. I will.
2: Actually, this is probably a good time to ask. Uh, does anybody have some favorite characters? Of course, I just mentioned that I, I enjoyed Ronnie's character. Uh, I thought he was one of the nicest people in the entire camp. How about you, Scott? Uh, who's your favorite character?
5: You gotta conf- You gotta. You, you gotta forgive me for constantly, because I constantly will like mix up the names of characters. Not but I problem. believe Paul. But I believe Paul, who. Uh, was kind of the nice guy who tried to endear, who who had a crush on Angela there.
2: Yeah, Rick, Ricky's best friend. Yes, he was. Yep. He was.
5: Again, we that camp needed nice guys. <laughs> you know that he was. Uh, he he was a screw up. He you know unfortunately did like ha- was angry and did talk some smack and did try to hook up with you know the judy bitchiest 14 year old that ever walked the face of the earth there and but uh in the end he did kind of have a heart of gold and you know he you know ends everything with a smile on his face let's just say that
2: (laughs) (laughs) he's definitely heading up in the world Uh, uh how about you cole who's your favorite character
4: uh, you know, my favorite character, like not the character, you know, that I, that I relate to, but my favorite is, uh, what, what Scott just said. I, I like Paul. You like Paul. Yeah. It's, it's just a good character. It's well acted. Yeah, it's just good. I, I, I like Paul, man.
2: All right. Uh, and, uh, how about you, Jeff? Who's your favorite character? Uh, you probably have many. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I like so many different
1: characters for so many different reasons that I can't really just pick one. I mean, uh-huh they're just such colorful characters it's not like these movies especially these horror movies that are coming out today where the characterizations are just so they're so over stereotyped based on like the 80s and yeah yeah it's so bad and like with sleepaway camp it was almost like these personalities were like kids that could be living next door to you growing up you know these were your neighborhood friends and And, um, you know, so I think there's so many great characters that it's just hard to pick just one.
2: And how about you, Anjul?
3: I love Ricky, man. That (laughs) foul-mouthed little creep. (laughs) I'm like, I wish I was that inventive (laughs) with my vocabulary when I was that age. (laughs) But Ricky's had a hard life. Look at his mom. Oh, my God.
2: She freaked me out. That lunatic,
3: <laughs> brilliant, genius. Ugh.
2: So
4: happy. You know, that Italy might be my favorite Sweden. performance, man. She was good. That's Who's that actress? Oh, Desert my God. Cool. She is amazing. She is. She really is.
3: Just <laughs> that vac- vacant vacant madness and she, it's she's so happy about it and just ah, but brilliant and and kind of dark
2: what about what about mel i think this was his last Was perform- the person that played mel that was his last performance right yes mike kellen yeah, I, I liked his character because it kind of reminded me of a, a really true to life type of character he was like you know all these deaths were happening at his camp and he wanted to wanted to make sure that the kids were not upset by what they were hearing, these rumors, and then, of course, as, as it starts to escalate, uh, you see them, oh, it's gotta be Ricky! Ricky's the problem!
6: <laughs> I <laughs>
2: love that.
3: I had it in my head, you know, watching Mel degenerate, that this camp was just like a front for the mob or something.
5: <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I liked about him is that you didn't know how bad he was Ah. how corrupt he was until the movie went on and on and on and on like uh you first you saw him like wanting to hide the thing from the kids then you're thinking uh okay he's probably not just concerned with the kids he's probably concerned about liability and stuff and then that kind of gets confirmed as it goes on and on but then you see him really start to lose it and you see him start to kind of lose his mind you kind of got this feeling like he's got all of his savings like wrapped up in this and that this is like a make or break moment this summer camp he start and you start to see like if he's if his suspicions can go so completely over to like a child you know (laughs) that oh my gosh he's really bad and then you find out that he's not even that nice because he's willing to like hook up with uh, Meg there, who <laughs> in the movie she couldn't have been more than like sixteen or seventeen years old, like the character as as it was written, because she yep. was still way too young to be like setting up like you know after night hours yeah, or rendezvous with like a, the cigar chomping owner of the camp. <laughs> <laughs> <you know? laughs> so like you didn't really know like. And then, so by the end, you're like, gosh, he's almost as bad as the cook. You know, he's almost as sleazy as that. He yeah. just, he just hit it better, you know? Yeah. That was kind of let's, disturbing. I like that.
2: Let's talk about Artie. He's played by uh, Owen Hughes. And he's just this despicable character. Right in that scene one, he, he basically puts some moves on Angela. Disgusting. Disgusting, <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, when he's having that, when they're having that, Break or whatever, and he's talking with the rest of the cooks. He's just flat out saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna abuse some children <laughs> while I <like> cook <laughs> lunch." You know, and they just laugh him off. And you're like, "Oh, Artie, you're so I'll make fun. you a nice Don't ice
1: cream sundae." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know? I'm like, he deserved. He deserved more than he got. That
5: was a solid makeup effect. That was really good.
2: It, it, all, all the, all the, all the deaths, all the makeup that they did for this film was fantastic. They just, yeah. yes.
5: This thing was done for, I think, three hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. A lot of these slashers were low budget. Some of them cost more than that. Some of them cost less, but all of them were on the low budget. And a lot of the slashers, their special effects were not as good as the ones in this movie.
4: No, not at all, brother. You know,
5: and this is not, and this is not. If you really look at the movie, it's not that gory of a movie. It's, it certainly got a lot less sex. Uh, it's not quite as gory. Uh, but what you do see is very impressive, very realistic. It, it was a really well-done professional horror film. <laughs> yeah,
4: man. Yeah. And uh, the effects
3: still stand up. I mean, that's compared to some of the things that are even being done today.
4: Some oh, of these yeah. makeup
3: effects are just whizzing. Oh,
1: you look at anything they did in the – Nightmare on Elm Street remake, remake, and nothing even comes close to as cool as it looked in Sleepaway Camp.
4: Yeah, that's one of the worst slasher movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Wait, no, Friday, the Thirteenth remake was pretty bad too. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man, I don't bash many movies, but that Nightmare on Elm Street remake needs some mental help. I don't know. That's like having Channing Tatum play Einstein. What? What <laughs> is wrong with that film? I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs>
3: Sexy Einstein. Sexy Einstein?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
5: it's like the theory of relativity, boo.
2: (laughs) How does this film compare to one of your favorite slashers? And we'll start with Jeff.
1: Wow. Well, I'd have to say this is probably my favorite slasher. Well,
2: there. (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) Uh, How about you, Scott?
5: Very well. I mean... Some of my favorite slashers are kind of some of the more uh, overlooked ones. I love Terror Train. I love He Knows You're Alone. I love Happy Birthday to Me. This one, it's almost like it stands apart from them because of its tone. Do you know, can I just say what works the best about this movie for me? Sure. Say you got the Friday the 13th movies or even The Burning, to use a couple examples of summer camp slashers. You've got all these people there and for one thing they a lot of them focus on the counselors who are older people who are older they're supposed to be teenagers but they're all played by like 30 year olds this one has the counselors and the kids and he actually cast kids angela is not 18 pretending to be 13 she's 13 that made this so much more disturbing and it's so much and it and it made it this it seemed to raise the stakes all the greater and it made it more realistic. I didn't have to think I, I never got the feeling that and now we're looking at this, you know, stereotype who's, you know, the twenty-five year old, sixteen year old is going to wander into this the woods. No, it was completely different. It was it really uh I don't know what made him do it, but when Robert Hilts did this, he really cast kids there and he had them acting like kids and that made this all the difference in the world for, the, for this movie and that's what i think really raises it no pun intended but a cut above uh, <laughs> all, well you know that's a really bad cliche you know but it is a cut but seriously it is it is a cut above all the other all the other ones that are out there a lot of
4: times uh and then uh cool uh to my favorite slashers
2: well one of them
4: Okay, well, I mean, if somebody was to wake me up out of like a cold, hard, dead sleep and scream in my face, what's your favorite slasher movie of all time? I would probably say Friday the 13th, the final chapter, uh, because it's moody. It's got a bunch of characters that I remember well, and uh, the score is fantastic. The cinematography is fantastic. The finale is fantastic. Everything about it is tight and well-rounded. But in the end, this movie, Sleepaway Camp, the original Sleepaway Camp is even more chilling than that. Uh, for all the reasons Scott just mentioned, the mood, uh, the performances, the fact that the kids were actually kids, the, the finale. You know, here's the thing about a, a fi- uh, like the last shot of a movie. I can go through all of my favorite horror movies and the original versions of the script didn't end with the final shot. You need to go out with something that is gonna just stay in your bones. Uh, Just again, watching the documentary on Cronenberg's The Fly. There are like six different endings to that where she wakes up with John Getz, where she has an abortion, where she has a butterfly baby. In the end, you need to go with, (laughs) she blows his head off and the credits roll. You know, you need to go with Angela standing there naked with that weird look on her face. Jesus, that's so awesome. And fade to that, like, seaweed green 80s neon shot and roll the credits. It's like the perfect ending, and that's why it sticks with me. I mean, this is – You know, the the best slasher movie I've ever seen, if I had a gun to my head, I would say Friday the 13th, the final chapter. But this movie is creepier than that. Mm. So there's something to be said for that, man. This is Sleepaway Camp is a solid film. It's worth seeking out. For people who haven't seen it, man, you got to – and don't seek it out for free online on some streaming site. You know, pay for it. Go out. Pay for it, buy the DVD. I don't know if there's a Blu-ray out there. I'm still watching my my old beat-up VHS, you know. But um, you, you gotta check this out, horror fans for sure.
5: Scream Factory did a beautiful Blu-ray of this. Movie. Really? Oh, absolutely oh, beautiful. Man. Worth getting just for the cover art. I mean, it's it's beautiful.
3: It's got the um the box the the sleepaway camp first aid kit.
6: Oh, oh,
5: so
3: do I. I yeah, yeah, I, I got the I got
5: the one before they pulled it from the shelves because the Red Cross got all pissed off.
3: <laughs> what? I think I have that one, yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. there was this thing where um they Anchor Bay released the Sleepaway Camp box set, and they thought it would be cute to like put it have packaged like a first aid kit. And then you like opened it up and it had, you know, the first three Sleepaway camp movies. And then at the time, an extra disc of, you know, proposed footage from part four. But get this, they put on the box the Red Cross symbol because it was a first aid kit. Not thinking, oh, wait, American Red Cross is like a trademark symbol. And so when the American Mm -hmm. Red Cross got really upset, like, you can't put our logo on these slasher movies <laughs> you have, like i mean we have a pretty good sense of humor but come on
1: <laughs> yeah you know i i was the first person to get a letter from the american red cross they sent it to me the president of the website and they told me <laughs> that i had to remove all these red crosses off of the tv <laughs> set So yeah. i course. called up robert Hiltick and i was like uh robert i was like uh we got a little bit of a problem here and I explained to him (laughs) what was going on. And he was like, you know what? Just ignore them. Don't do anything about it. And I'm like, yeah, but they're saying that this is a copyright infringement. I mean, they own this logo. He's like, so don't do anything about it. But (laughs) in the end, Anchor Bay had to take them all off the shelves because it was indeed a copyright infringement, having a red cross on a white background. And, um, they had to make a, a new cover for it which was just kind of like a generic just said sleep away camp on it and
5: yeah. it was just kind oh, of very
1: plain <laughs> yeah
5: that's that's funny that they wanted you to re- remove them all personally though I mean like <laughs> there goes there goes
1: my weekend you know? <laughs> I'm like yeah I run the website but that doesn't mean that I you know distribute all these movies what the heck
3: <laughs> get to work Chachi we don't care
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I still got the letter. I should frame it and hang it up next to my sleepaway camp poster.
2: That would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> and how about you, Angelique? Uh, how's this fair to your uh, one of your favorite slasher films?
3: Well, one of my favorite slasher films is American Gothic.
0: Ooh. I love that yeah. movie.
3: Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And it's creepy and it's atmospheric and it's kind of a camping movie. Really good kills. Not so much... Um, like special effects and you know it's another descent into madness and it 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 stands up pretty high you know american gothic you got the deserted island with the weird incestuous family and and, you know they turn any visitors to the island into 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 grown-up dollies and uh you know so it's kind of out there but you know this one sleepaway camps just i mean it's in a class all its own I mean, as, as was mentioned, you know, they actually focused on the campers and the campers' lives, not so much the counselors running off trying to find some, you know, time to touch each other in their bathing suit areas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that... <laughs> Go ahead. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay.
2: They should put that on the poster. So you do not <laughs> yeah. touch... <laughs> we are not touching ourselves on the bathing suit areas. <laughs> that could be a tagline.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's really, I mean, I guess you know, it's, it's a, it's a whodunit more than anything, you know, because in, in a lot of slashers, it's, it's, you know, kind of apparent. Well, I guess not, not in prom night. You're not really sure who's doing it. But it's, it's a, it's a whodunit, and it's. One of the best ones ever.
2: Uh, for me, uh, how it can com- uh, how it ranks to uh, other slasher films is that I I tended toward more late in the slasher film era, so I tended to get a lot of the the later versions of Friday the Thirteenth, the later versions of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So in those type of movies, it seemed like the main focus was always the main slasher. And I love the fact that the focus was not on the main slasher in this film. Ah. And it made me feel like, oh, I really do want to uh, figure out what's going on. And it, it just drew me in that much more. And the fact that the characters' lives were like, like uh, a lot of other people were, were saying, is that it focused on the campers. There were so many great characters. It, it was very much like a microcosm of my high school. None of the real slasher films that I've seen do that. So this is the very first time that I did get to see that. And uh, again, I'm a virgin to this film. uh, So I get to survive because I'm still a virgin. Oh, wait, I watched this film, so maybe not. You're dead. Uh, I'm dead. (laughs) I would be interested in finding out your favorite death scenes. Or we can talk about each of the death scenes and what did you think about them? How would you want to talk about it?
3: I say we go through each of them because they're classic.
2: Okay, uh, so uh, let's let's do that. We're gonna start with uh, uh, Artie's death. Uh, Artie's basically he was scolded by a pot of boiling water. He was kind of uh, not
3: not just a pot, <laughs> a vat, <laughs> a vat of heavily salted water that was gonna you know just bless some sweet sweet summer corn with its hot embrace. Instead, and, it got his face it's it's an eight
5: foot tall pot so it's like it's like you know it's like you know it's like a makeshift cauldron almost
1: it was specially made for that movie by the way serious nice
5: huge thing that's like why the hell well can i just say i worked at
4: a uh i worked at a restaurant for uh god since i was 21 so 21 to 36 however many years that is uh those are the type of pots you make soup in they're giant big. things yes they <laughs> are that big and you have big metal spoons that are longer than your arms that you stick in there and stir it's it's not them i mean Granted, I can't – I mean, Jeff Jeff has far more information than he ever will. It may have been custom-made for that film, but I'm telling you, those pots are that big. That's what you make soup in as a cook when you're cooking for multiple, multiple people. So it's not unrealistic at all.
3: What was unrealistic about the pot – because I've seen pots, you know, maybe not quite so big but, you know, comparable – was that it was on one burner on an electric stove? Oh
6: yes,
3: <laughs> Oh, Creed. <laughs> Creed.
5: <laughs> Word. He had that. He had that coming. Uh, but uh, that that character. But like as I've mentioned, that's such a great makeup effect when yeah. when he gets the the boiling stuff on there. And um, if what they said on the documentary and everything that I. Or the little bit of the commentaries and stuff that I'd heard is true. Apparently that actor was completely the opposite of that. And oh, they and goodness. he was supposedly like this super nice guy. And it was hard to get through the scenes. I guess because Kept making Felisa laugh. Is, is that you? Can confirm that, Jeff?
1: Yeah. um Well, what I was told was that he was a very like intellectual type guy, and he he liked to sit around a lot and read books when he wasn't, you know, performing his dialogue and stuff. So yeah, I guess he was just like a really low key, friendly, intellectual type of guy. Nothing like this
2: raving pedophilic maniac that that Artie was. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the other thing about this movie that uh, it seemed like all the victims we're all deserving of, of their deaths, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, and I think Artie, especially (laughs) Uh, let's, let's talk about the next death. And uh, essentially uh, we see Kenny, he's taking out Leslie. Ah, yes. Thank you. Leslie. Piece of trivia here. Um, Okay.
1: Leslie was actually played from a distance by Robert's wife, Michelle, they were dating at the time when Sleepaway Camp was being shot. They they since got married and had oh. a, a big family. Um, oh. But but yeah, back um, when they shot that, the, the woman who played Leslie, uh, I guess she'd gotten sick probably from being out nights in that canoe at like 20 degrees. And oh. she got sick and um, wasn't able to do the part where she came, you know, swimming out of the water. So, um, oh, no. of course, Robert asked his girlfriend, you know get
2: in the water and do this so we can finish up this shot and she did (laughs) wow they they must have filmed this during the fall right and the water was probably a lot colder than what we would think it would be and then people were skinny dipping and and all sorts of things oh Oh, yeah uh so uh what do you guys think of of kenny's death scene you know the especially the the snake that slithers out of his mouth
3: I never understood why Kenny died. That's always kind of eluded me. I what did he, well, he do? He, he,
2: he was picking. Pot.
5: He he smoked pot. He <laughs> was also picking. He was also in that group that was picking on on uh, them before, right? Angela before. Okay.
3: okay. All right. That yeah, is, he was really
5: into
1: Ricky.
3: Oh yeah. Okay.
2: And uh, Kenny's Kenny's friend Mike was also kind of mocking angela because uh we should explain to people that haven't seen this film shame on you if you haven't yet
5: sure.
2: that angela is is very very much like a introvert at the beginning part of this movie she's very quiet i think in the they even mentioned that like for our entire week she's just completely still and, and silent and you see her staring off and it's just wonderful though those scenes because she looks so like like kind of like a cute little animal kind of she just stared there and she was so innocent looking, you know, as she stares out yeah,
4: actress did some amazing work,
2: but, and so of, of course people uh, mean people, I should say, are going to pick on those type of people because they, they assume that they're different. And so, yeah, Kenny and Mike were, were basically mocking Angela and fortunately cousin Ricky and, and Paul come in and, and try to help out. And of course we find Kenny later on, he's dead. So. Yay,
5: that is a great that that might be as far as you know, aside from the ending, of course, which I think is everybody's favorite part. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it was, well, I mean, it's legendary. I mean, it's so it fun. is
4: legendary. It, yeah. I mean,
5: that that gave me that actually gave me nightmares after I saw the ending. Uh, but the, before that, the finding the body in the morning that is like one of the best jump scares. It's because that again, that great. Effect. Uh, I mean, it looked so real with this with that he's covered in dirt and mud, and the snake is skitter, slithering out, which I thought was kind of clever because he's making all these, these little double entendre jokes about, watch out, do I see a water snake? Uh-huh. And then she's got this, and yep, well, there's one right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and that leads us to our next death, which is, I believe, Billy's death. And uh, he has a unusual bathroom scene involving some <laughs> bees. I love it. So, uh, so, Angelique, you want to chime in on this?
3: Oh my God, death by bees on on the on the crapper, man! Oh, oh, uh, that was my number one fear going to camp was bees.
2: Oh, not so, being trapped in the crapper.
3: Well, a little bit of both,
5: uh,
2: you
3: know, because we were going to ancient Girl Scout burial grounds, so.
5: Yeah. <laughs> they buried actually, wait, they they buried Girl Scouts out there?
3: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know yeah. You know, watch out for the bees, man. Oh, but no. What why did he keep screaming? Uh, that just had me rolling. What does he scream? Come on, man, let me out. Let me out. Oh yeah. yeah.
6: <laughs> oh
3: <laughs> and he's just that a steak knife can get through the bathroom door. <laughs> but a full grown well not i guess full grown an, an older you know fully able bodied dude getting attacked by bees which will give anybody superhuman strength couldn't <laughs> get through the door
4: come well, I, on it's it's pretty funny i mean anybody who's had to kick open a door in their life actually knows uh, that they come open astonishingly easy. Uh, this is this is a lie. or This is a myth that people tell themselves that you can't kick through a door. Believe me, it takes one or two kicks and and any door will come right open. So, yeah. That's Especially when there's bees. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, well, you would I'll, be out of there in a split second. <laughs> Believe me. Well, but, I,
5: I think the, sli- the the shower thing was that it was just the actual flimsy like standalone like little like shower
2: partitions that they had themselves right it was, it was still there.
3: aluminum metal it was like a regular standard bathroom he still
2: thickness. had to go through the dowel though you know he was kicking. okay he had to keep oh. through the dowel and you <laughs> saw that it was cracking it was cracking come on
3: my apologies it was the dowel the whole time
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's see the next one is it is it the kids or is it is it I think the kids is is one of the last, actually. Okay.
5: Yeah. Uh, Right. Sorry, I'm like going back in my head and trying to like, you know,
2: (laughs) going through the movie. Yeah, it's it's like like there's so many great deaths. Can I?
5: Can I? Can I I do this after three whiskeys? Yes, I think I can. (laughs) I'm just so excited to be talking about this movie. This is so. Who wants to talk about
2: Meg? Scott, I I choose you.
5: Okay, you want me to talk about? Let's talk about Meg's death. Meg, who, first of all, (laughs) let's just all say. She should have never been in charge of kids. <laughs> it's like the it's it's like an actual bully being put in charge of the kids. It's like, so she's, she's actually like you know like shaking. At, she's shaking Angela at one point, <laughs> dragging her out to the water and everything like that. I mean, she's she should never be put in charge of kids and everything like that. And then she's you know. Hooking up with the you know, cigar chomping, you know, 60 year old owner of the camp and seems really excited about it too. You know, I've seen that kind of setup in movies before, however, they've been like the worst porns, so I mean, like, that's not (laughs) that's not a thing that really happens. (laughs) Sorry, old men of the universe, it doesn't happen.
1: Robert Hiltzik said, Love is blind. (laughs)
6: <laughs> it, would,
5: it would you know what i i have like severe glaucoma it would have to be blinder than me <laughs> but, but uh, as i mentioned before the film isn't really that bloody and it's not that explicit to the fact that we have a shower scene in a slasher film now that's usually the opportunity to like Oh, OK. So if they haven't shown, you know, breasts before, this is where we're going to see them. And we don't see it. Nope. Which I don't have a problem with. In I'm like an exploitation film fan. I'm like, nope, it's fine as is. It's very moody. I love that you see this, you know, the shadow of the killer come in mm-hmm. and that it stabs through that. The, I know we make jokes about, it, but the idea that she does st- that, the killer does stab through the aluminum and goes down and on that. I mean, that is think about how hard that killer must have just gone. That was uh, that's brutal. I mean, it's really brutal. The more you think about it, and so that's another uh, good uh, effect there. I mean, it was all the all of them are very uh effective.
2: And uh, you mentioned this before like uh, uh how Meg should not be uh like a counselor because of how she is toward the kids. Do yeah. you think that nowadays you could have a counselor like that or do you think because of the way we are society-wise today you could never have a Meg or a or a Judy type character?
5: Oh, I think the they, I, I think they don't like to have them. I think they try to nip it in the bud quicker, just for uh, liability things. But it happens.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: You think and it's you're style? always going to have Judys. It gotcha. happens. You, I mean, you may not have a Meg. I mean,
5: I don't know about anybody else, but I mean, I I heard stories about people who went on camping trips and had stories about physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, all on different, you know, outings when they were uh, kids uh, that were friends of mine. So Jeez. that was now that was of course that was during would have been during the period of this movie or at least maybe like at the most seven or eight years afterwards. But I think they would try to nip it as quickly as they can. But I'm I'm sure it still happens, just probably not. It's like like a character like say like the cook there yeah. would not be laughed off like he was in this movie. We call them Baldies where I come from. Okay, you can just pick up your check now. <laughs> you know that would have been that, how that would have gone. You know, but they would
3: have poured like, the boiling water on him. <laughs>
5: yeah, but like but like people like Meg and stuff. It happens even if they don't manage to last. Maybe the, maybe they get fired halfway through. But I'm sure a few slip
2: through. And I do believe that the kids do get killed. There's four four kids that get these now mind you these are the kids that were throwing sand at at some people earlier in the film so i don't know they they do kind of deserve it but you know they were hatcheted to death so uh, that's brutal yeah uh how about you jeff uh do you want to talk about this event uh the hatcheting of the kids the hatcheting of the kids you think it was was justified or not justified What, what are your thoughts You know, it's it's hard to say where Angela's
1: mind was when those kids were throwing dirt at her and Ricky after what had just happened to her at the waterfront. I I suppose that, you know, maybe they they did have it coming. Um, But one thing I can tell you about that, um, that particular scene is that um, Robert said that that was the one murder sequence in the movie that if he had to do it again, he would not do it. He would take it out because he's not. Hundred percent sure that those kids truly deserved it. Wow!
3: They added insult to injury. I mean, I can see where you know, in her mind, it, w- it was you know kind of justified.
2: Definitely, uh, yeah. They they definitely added insult to injury. And 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 for the audience who again hasn't seen the film, this is right after uh, she was about to be pushed into the lake, and we already know her her past experience with with the water and having to lose peter uh uh in in the lake so uh, definitely she was in a a much more a much different emotional state at this point uh which leads us to i think judy's uh interesting experience (laughs) uh you want me
3: to field this one?
2: Yeah, let's let. I think Angelique should talk about that. Thank you, Angelique. You're
3: Thank welcome. You. This one I'll take for the team any day.
2: <laughs> but but not like Judy took it. No. Oh,
3: never. <laughs> I'm kinky, but damn, you know. <laughs> so, Judy, our little Miss, um, all that and a bra full of Kleenex. Um, <laughs> You know, she's been making fun of Angela this whole time about how she's not, you know, not developed and and how weird and funky she is and trying to steal Paul back from her. And while Meg is in the shower, Judy is curling her hair on her bunk and the killer comes in and jacks that bitch in the face and then takes the curling iron and clamps it upon her bathing suit parts. And we hear the sizzle and her screams and her hand comes up and clenches. Ah! And yeah, it's terrible and the first time I saw it, I was like stunned. I was like, they did not. (laughs) They (laughs)
2: did. It's still not the most shocking thing in this film.
3: (laughs) No, no, not by a long shot, but oh my God. (laughs) But I did have mad respect for the killer that the first move was just to punch her in the mouth.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, the, the character is so, you know. Hey, in case anybody is getting a little too concerned out there in our audience, no, we are not seriously advocating the murder of children.
3: (laughs) But (laughs) speak for yourself, Scott. um,
5: (laughs) Okay, but like Judy, she comes on. Let's face it, you hate her as soon as you see her. Yes. She's just awful, awful, awful. She's probably jersey bangs. She's probably the most awful person. And I, and I was from Jersey at this, at this point in my life too. Yeah. So this, uh, she's like always awful. Probably the most outwardly awful person in the movie as character wise, apparently as an actress, she's a sweetheart, but let's face it. The moment we saw her, see her. We think of two things like, Oh my God, what an awful person. And man, I'll bet when she, ge- she gets it ooh. <laughs> And to that end they really didn't disappoint i mean whatever we thought was going to happen to her we certainly did not expect that yeah (laughs) i mean let's face it well i mean the biggest bully in the movie it's a movie it's like an anti-bullying movie yeah you know know, it's about abuse basically from the get-go you know parental abuse familial abuse you know abuse from peers from elders and like she's the most outward, you know, bully of the group, and you know you you're expecting her to get it, and she gets it. And you just don't, ex- and you know it's going to be like a biggie. You know, the movie's saving up for yeah. that. They're not just going to have her, you know, drown or do something like that, or or like you know, fall off a cliff or something. Robert Hiltzik didn't disappoint here. He 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 really went that extra mile so that even those of us that were waiting for it all kind of cringed (laughs) yes that moment we're like oh well even that might be a bit much
3: (laughs) Nah.
6: (laughs) okay uh
2: that leads us to of course uh mel thinking that ricky is the killer and up to this point is there's still a good potential that he is you know but Mel beats the snot out of Ricky and it almost, it almost feels like he was going to kill Ricky. Does anyone want to talk about this? I mean, I know it's technically not a death because they find Ricky in the original script. Ricky did get beaten
1: to death by Mel, oh. but really? Wow. yes, he, yes, he did. Cause I've asked Robert about this and I've seen Felicia's original script and it says Ricky dies. Yeah. And like, what? You got to be yeah. kidding me. Because if Ricky died at the end of that movie, it would have just felt so much more like a punch to the head, you know? Yeah, yeah. That would have been a real bummer. Yeah.
3: Absolutely.
1: But um uh luckily uh at the last minute I guess Robert decided, you know what? Why should Ricky die? And he changed it and
2: definitely
4: for the better of the movie. Yes.
2: yes. Especially since Ricky was uh, also
4: one of the nice characters in the film. I know it wouldn't have necessarily made it a better film, but
5: wow. I'm glad they did what they did, though, because, you know, he didn't, you know, Ricky never asked to get to be involved with this kooky family. You know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, even like he seemed to be well aware that this isn't normal, but I don't know how to fight against it. I don't know how to assert myself against it, even though I can assert myself over other kids. So, I mean, I kind of sympathize with that character a lot.
2: Although it was uh, following the theme of justified killings, we do have uh, Mel being killed uh, dramatically at the uh, archery range. I thought if they had not had that, if Mel had run away Uh, It would have been an entirely different movie because everyone would have blamed Bell for being the killer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he did have this fabulous practical effect, arrow thing. Amazing. Wonderful job. It's a good shot. That's the thing that people ask about the most is how, how was that effect achieved?
1: And Robert will not tell. He just, he won't give it away. I did talk to Ed French who did the makeup effects on the movie and Apparently, it had some something to do with um, a device that was rigged, almost like a mechanical device that, if you like, pulled a trigger, all of a sudden it just made it shoot forward. It was oh. all, it was always there, but you didn't see it. So it was from the angle they shot it at that it, it made it look like you know it really just came protruding through. I wish I could explain this better. Um, I think uh, Jonathan Tiersten, I think he has a photo of how this was achieved somewhere, but I'll have to track oh, that down. Cool.
5: <laughs> I I like I was just looking at the IMDb page while well, in, in another window here. And I, I liked how he, Ed French, is uh, credited with makeup illusions Ooh. on the movie. <laughs> it's it, it, according to this. It's makeup illusions. <laughs> so I'll have to double check that because that's nice. a that, that's a nice that's a nice little uh, credit to have there.
4: Oh, he's Beyond the Beyond. dead dudes in the house. Creep show to the guy is. He's got, he's got some skills, man. Yeah,
1: and the stuff that he creates, it's always just so brutally realistic looking. Yes, yes, man. I just saw a movie that I'd never seen before. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the name of it was Blood Rage. He actually has a an acting part in it. Ooh.
5: Oh, I, I just saw that a uh, few months ago.
1: Yeah, he had a he had an acting part as well as he did the effects and. And um, that was the first time I'd ever seen Ed French. Oh, nice!
4: Wow, man! What's the name of the movie? No, I gotta write this down.
5: Blood Rage. It's a really wacky slasher.
4: I don't care. I gotta see it. I love yeah. Ed French, man.
5: I mean, it's seriously, wacky. Like, like, like. Uh, if you like Sleepaway Camp, you will probably like it.
4: I'm gonna. Uh,
2: uh, we should continue on with the last death that I am aware of. Uh, which is uh, sadly Paul's death.
6: Aww.
2: Yeah. But he still deserved it, sort of. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: he did.
2: He, he a moment of weakness. He shouldn't have, he should never have cheated. Should never, never.
1: Yes, I, I think his murder was probably the most shocking because yes. he, his character was such a friendly, nice guy. You really liked him a lot. And then to see him hit his severed head roll off of Angela's naked body he was just. You know, like bang right in your face <laughs>
2: yeah. that was was wonderfully set up because he was like it almost looked like he was just kind of calmly lying on her lap, and you know she was just caressing him
5: well like he, and, uh, he was he had that like contented smile, yeah and humming the same <laughs> yeah. song
3: that Meg was humming. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You've practiced that way too much, Angelique.
3: <laughs> hey, I'm dedicated.
2: <laughs> so, I think it would be great if Jeff talked about the main reveal at this point. Yes. Would you like to? Okay. Wow. <laughs> I get
1: that that privilege, okay. Yes. So at the end of the movie, Ronnie and Susie come upon a humming. Well, you know, somebody humming, uh, 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 and then they stand up and a, a head rolls off of their body. And it happens to be the severed head of Paul. And this person turns and looks at Ronnie and Ronnie says, I can't believe it. She, she's a boy. And what we find out is that Angela is not, in fact, Angela, but she's Peter, the little boy who we thought drowned in the beginning of the movie during the boating accident. So, <laughs> yeah, slam, bang, boom, and that face <laughs> to go along with
2: it. And, and what's interesting is that if you, if you knew this was happening, uh, you could actually see where they're, they have subtle hints throughout, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just fantastic. It's well done how they, they hit it and then they spring it on you. And I, I can just imagine with the first time, Nobody knowing about this. The shock of it. It was shocking
5: to me when I saw it. I mean, uh, and then when I'm watching, I've watched it, as I said, I've watched this movie about a dozen times. Every time I'm watching it again, the more I watch it, the more I'm thinking, you know, it really shouldn't have come as that big of a surprise. They really do have lots of little hints along the way. I just don't think you expect the movie to go there. <laughs> I don't think you expect it to. I mean, it doesn't even dawn on you. That it would go there, it's it, it 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 seems like so no that's so radical my brain didn't even make that connection, but it's fantastic and it's it's not just the reveal of the gender but it's the idea and in some ways it's the idea it, it's in in some ways it's the way they had to do the special effects because naturally they had they had to do use the uh, the fake head the fake the fake mask yeah the mask yeah. yeah uh and the and the other person's body and then that and then that you know sound that ah, Ah! ah, yeah that was
2: the creepiest (laughs) thing
5: it's like i mean it's just this i mean it it suddenly turns into just this monstrous (laughs) thing and that's like the that's like the image that like seared its way into my brain when I first saw this in my like as I said I saw this in my mid 20s it still gave me nightmares. <laughs> after I saw this and I was like was watching like 10 12 horror films a week and it still gave me nightmares when I saw that the first time. Oh, it's a uh, it's it's such an amazingly effective reveal. I mean it's I mean it really it's not a Hitch, the, the style of the film is not Hitchcock, but it's a, but it's a reveal that is worthy of Hitchcock.
6: It is. I mean, it is that it's good. good. It, is. It, is it is
5: that good. You know, it so yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, does anyone want to add uh, their feelings about the scene?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I will make it brief, man. I will say Scott is absolutely right about the editing and the fact that if it was done with, you know, a CGI plastered face, it would fuck up the whole tone of the thing. I mean, the fact that they had to have uh, whoever stood there with their genitals out and a mask on, uh, (laughs) time that to the actual close-ups of the actress who played Angela. I watched it twice tonight, right, before I came on. It is pertinent to how powerful that scene is. And if you were to have all the access in the world to whatever digital tools you needed – uh, to make that scene work, it wouldn't be as powerful, you know. It is a true mid '80s film, to where, you know, you you got to be creepy by the virtue of your physical makeup effects, guys, your composer, your editor, and your own talents, and you had to work with all of these people. You just didn't get to say, "Hey, dude, uh, can you CG the shit onto that guy's face and uh, let's see how it comes out." no i mean this is a a classic ending as scott said i I don't know what that i want to put this film you know in in the realm of hitchcock but he's not wrong when he says it is close to that because it's memorable it's horrifying and it works because they didn't have anybody in post production to make it work They made it work through all the elements that every good film should work, which is editing, music, scoring, you know, all of these things you need to do on the set without CGI, without being able to take the actress, the actress who played Angela and just, you know, put her face on some dude with his genitals
1: hanging out. So, I've said this before. I think it's the greatest ending in all of cinema
4: it's up there, man. I, it's it's that on good. my top ten. It's on my top ten. <laughs> I, no, it really is. Yep. I think. I think it's um of jaw dropping fucking endings. Come on, it's, it's a really, really great reveal. Thing. It's Absolutely. a really great
5: You know, I know that I know that you know when he was doing the movie, uh, Robert Hiltzik probably did this because he thought that you know horror films were profitable at the time, but he must have known when he came up with this, all I can think of every time, time I see this is he must have known that, Oh, people won't be able to get over this one. (laughs) There's lots of these horror films, lots of these slashers. They have their twists. Oh, I thought it was this guy, but it really was this guy. You know, I just can't imagine that he ever thought that it was going to play like just another shock, just another thing. I, I have a feeling that, you know, once they came up with this, he thought, They'll never see this coming. They'll never get over this. This is going to be something that will definitely set this movie apart.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I think he was definitely going for the ultimate ending. And years later, when we would do Return to Sleepaway Camp, I remember um, one of our big discussions was, how the heck are you gonna outdo the ending of the original Sleepaway Camp? Because I don't know if that can be done.
2: Uh, actually, let's let's take a, a brief moment now and talk about uh, the uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp and your involvement in that project.
1: Well, after I had tracked down uh, Robert and Felisa, um, we started talking about you know what it would be like to do another Sleepaway Camp, and Robert had told me that he had actually written a script back in 1986 called Sleepaway Camp Part 2. And, wow. Yeah. It never ended out getting made. He had some issues with the uh, producer at the time who wanted to kind of take the uh, movie into a, more of like a dark comedy direction as a lot of the horror movies were going in, you know, the 87, 88 era. Yeah, man. Yeah. And um, so uh, Robert ended out um, just kind of not doing anything with it and um, that's how Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 got made was because he uh, signed over the rights for just parts 2 and 3 to be made without him having any involvement in it. So when he told me about what his Sleepaway Camp story 2 was, the one thing that I had a problem with was that it did not have any of the characters from the original returning. It was basically another whodunit set at another camp and it was just yeah it was totally unrelated and i felt like you know this is going to be a sequel to sleepaway camp we have got to bring back you know at least a couple of the characters and um so he kind of took his script that he had written back in 1986 and after we talked about it he put a couple of the characters including angela (laughs) into the new story then uh, we basically started, you know, having some different meetings with different investors and stuff. And eventually Tom Vandell, who was who played the character of Mike in the original Sleepaway Camp, he decided that he wanted to be the executive producer on the movie. And so he, he got the movie funded. And um, then we went out to Starlight, Pennsylvania for two months. We shot the movie. And... <laughs> had the greatest time I mean I had the greatest time of my life I mean being a fan of horror movies and especially Sleepaway Camp and being a kid in the 80s and actually being there on the set with Angela and and Ronnie and Ricky and Robert and uh knowing that I was you know very much responsible for for making this happen it was just it was like one of the most surreal things in my life and uh it was one of the greatest times I've ever had kick ass
2: fantastic
3: that's amazing that's really 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 awesome
2: thank you Mm -hmm. Uh, all right we're going to take a brief uh, break now and when we get back we're going to have our final thoughts about sleepaway camp and our ratings
0: and now we take a short break Sunwater. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon, Robert Albert Pune, Miguel Ferrer,
4: Nancy Allen, Robert
5: Davi, it's Richard Elfman, Ileana Douglas, Patrick Warburg, Williams, Hauser. Cliff D. Young.
0: Steve Railsback, Mr. T, William Cass- If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemark since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth Podcast, Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast hosted by me, Derek Carey. I was one of those monster kids growing up. The one that used to sit in the back end of that video store and scour over every single last film cover you saw back there. From the slashers to the monsters to the sleazy stuff. Yeah, I was freaking obsessed. And I still am. So much so, I became a filmmaker myself. Now I bring on all my filmmaker friends critics musicians and any other fans of the dark arts which are horror exploitation and cult film are you one of these people then tune in and listen to my show astro radio Z.
3: welcome back to our fantastic discussion on sleepaway camp um i think we're just about ready to wrap it up here um um, for those of you who aren't familiar with our rating system, um, you can like it, which means you love this movie. You'd watch it every day of the week if you could, if you wanted to. Um, lump it, which means no, map, hunk of Limburger cheese, get it out of here. <laughs> and then you have maybe, which means, okay, you know, you didn't hate it, you didn't love it, but maybe if you're in the right mood you'll give it a shot so let's start Cole
4: I like it love it uh highest rating I can give for a slasher film um I mean if you like slasher films and I'm you know I'm talking to my younger uh friends out there who may be listening to the show please seek it out it's it's good stuff man it's 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 a it's an excellent film, and um, there are very few films in this genre that truly have the the power that this film has. And it's not just because of the final shot. Uh, a lot, mainly because of the final shot, but not entirely. There are other things in this film that work. Uh, Because the filmmakers, the people who made this film, cared about making a good fucking horror movie. And so many horror movies from this era didn't. They didn't care about making a good horror movie. They wanted the rentals. They wanted your money. This movie is worth your money. Seek it out, please. Uh, Yeah, that's my (laughs) rent.
3: love it love it love it and and completely agree uh scott uh
5: yeah like it and what cole said i mean i really want to reiterate here is that if uh sleepaway camp has become notorious uh a lot of people just bring up the ending but even though that is such an amazing ending It is the film is even more than that i love (laughs) the tone of the movie i love the way it's set up i love the way how they do everything it's like he said it is so much more uh and again i love the idea that you know it's a summer camp things where everybody is summer camp age in the film it's a really amazingly well done uh slasher film it's kind of unique in the genre so yes i like it
3: all right um jeff <laughs> your
1: thoughts i think you guys already know this but i love it <laughs> um and you know i think every one of you guys has pointed out some really uh amazing stuff you've all made some you know really terrific points about this movie other than you know the movie that's known for that crazy ending the, the chick with the dick or whatever you want to say <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, I love how you guys all have all your, you know, your various thoughts on the movie, and it, you can tell that you've all, uh, you know, thought about it quite a bit, and 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 have definitely really enjoyed it, and and um, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate you guys loving this movie just like I do.
3: I mean, appreciate everything you've done for the movie. Truly, I mean, that's you're you're great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> definitely.
3: And uh our bow tie jerk, Paul.
2: Yeah. Uh I'm gonna say I, I liked this movie. Uh definitely uh enjoyed the whole character aspect of the film. Uh it was not what I was expecting because I did hear the rumors about the film uh when I started and I was like, oh okay, this is going to be uh boring, boring, boring until I get to the into I get to the end and be shot. But no, I was I was thoroughly enthralled from the beginning. I loved the characters. I actually felt for the characters. And uh, this is one of the few slasher films where I do believe that the victims were deserving of their deaths. So, yes.
3: Oh, wow. Awesome. And I I guess you guys can tell that I can't stand this movie.
6: Joking,
3: joking. <laughs> Where's the curling you.
6: iron? Where's the curling iron?
3: <laughs> Yikes! No, no. If, if my thumbs up could, oh, Dale Cooper couldn't match this thumbs up. But I, uh-huh. I, like this movie so so much. It, it's it. Like I said earlier, it's in a class all of its own. You know, there's no, there's really no comparing. You know, between the. The cinematography, the effects, the story, the characters, and these kids were damn good actors. Yes. Every single one of them, you know, everybody in the movie gave her just stellar, stellar, stellar. And uh, there there can only be one, you Uh know, there won't be another movie made ever, I think, that would even come close to. Um, Between the quality and the story and just the, oh, my God, that this one gives. So, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot.
2: Nice. All right. uh, Before we do our uh, uh, usual outros, uh, at the beginning, we started a uh, special game called Camp Jerk Away. And uh, I promised that at the end of this podcast, if you waited long enough, you would get to hear how our virtual campers had expired at Camp Jerkaway. So I'm going to start out with Angelique. uh, Because of her random numbers, choices, Angelique got severely burned in the dining hall. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Jeff got boiled in a pot of something in the craft house. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Cole, you were electrocuted naked in the shower. Oh, my God! (laughs) Yes, you picked it out just right. Now imagine he has if,
3: the curling iron.
2: That would have been hilarious. Uh, yeah, imagine if you got electrocuted someplace else, though. It was just like in the lake or something. How would you get electrocuted in the lake? You know. Uh, Scott, you got killed by bees in the deep, scary forest.
5: Figures. I, yeah. I saw but, that coming. <laughs>
2: But, okay, so, and and here's how I, my virtual camper, expired. And I kid you not, I did not pick these numbers. You guys picked these numbers. I drown in the outhouse inside the kitchen. (laughs) I don't know why there's an outhouse in the kitchen. Yes. (laughs) put. Species next to food, for one.
5: Uh, Gives a new meaning to the term mess
2: hall. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, (laughs) on that note, uh, let's find out where we can find ourselves when we're not on Film Jerks. We're going to start out with our special guest jerk uh, this episode. Jeff, where can we find you?
1: You can always find me on the official Sleepaway Camp website sleepawaycampmovies.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. Um, and those are pretty much the two best
2: places to, to find me camping out. Astic. And how about you, Scott? Where can we find you?
5: You can find me at moviocrity.com. That's M-O-V-I-O-C-R-I-T-Y.com. And you can also catch my web series all about exploitation films, also called Moviocrity. And that's at vimeo.com slash channels slash
2: Fantastic. And how about you, Cole? Where can we find out more about you and your wonderful projects?
4: Well, let's give Jeff some props for showing up tonight, man. Bravo. Thank you, please. Thank you, Jeff thank um, you very much we, we really appreciate it man and um, you can find me at uh, right now I'm on Facebook uh, shadows and lovers productions the new movie is the last great horror movie which uh, we're so proud of and and uh, it's about to be available publicly we've got a new uh, movie on the horizon called rise which uh, is our first movie that's fully funded uh, beyond Our Own Pockets, which means I'm not working at that goddamned hippie grocery store anymore. Also, um, uh, check check out my digital art on Horror Roar, where I just like to do, you know, uh, fake posters and, and uh, fool around. Um, I should also mention uh, The Spoiler Room, where uh, myself and Paul and Scott here, we all... Uh, are lucky enough to bullshit with a friend of ours named Mark who is uh, man probably one of the best movie critics on the planet <laughs> and he does some fantastic podcasts please check them out uh the spoiler room and or the final cuts and I'm just so glad to be here tonight. I came at the last minute. Thank you Paul, Scott, yes. Angelique, Jeff, you guys are awesome. I'm so uh, grateful to consider you guys my friends and, um, I hope we meet up again someday. Oh, we will definitely. definitely. (laughs) Uh, And how about you, Angelique,
2: our lovely lipstick jerk, where can we find you?
3: Um, well, right now I'm on the highway in central Georgia. (laughs) So um, (laughs) if I don't post on Facebook again, um, send help (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you can find me on facebook um you can also find some you can find some movie reviews by myself and some really funny cats at thelosthighway.com um you can also hear me and and just about every single one of these other guys um on astro radio z um Mm -hmm. i'm a frequent Guest, there, and and we love Astro Radio Z so much.
4: Um, <laughs> Derek in the house, you, Derek. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's I'm I'm not that hard to find, guys. Honestly, <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it's always good to have you on 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 board co-hosting Film Jerks. Uh, when I'm not on Film Jerks, you can find me at my uh, normal podcast, which is Forsaken Film Reviews, which is part of Astro Radio Z. You can also find me on Facebook as well. So from all of us at Film Jerks, uh, have a great night. Night, everyone. Night. Make that face and growl now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
6: <laughs> oh, what fun. I, enjoy.
0: I enjoy. Where those clouds all disappear And yet